Today's reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. And you can find that on page 1184 in the Church Bibles. Please also follow along in your Bibles at home. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, please keep that passage open in front of you. Uh, We've got Pathfinders in with us this morning as well, so good to have you guys here. Um, If you've got a Bible, if you've got one near you, uh, do grab one. There are some on the sides as well, uh, and you can have that passage open in front of you. So Colossians 3, uh, starting at verse 12. Uh, Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we pray you would teach us. By your Spirit, you would open our eyes, that we would understand your word. And open our hearts to receive it and change our wills, change who we are, uh, both individually but us as a church as well, that we would live out what we read in your word. Amen. The church is no ordinary group of people, is it? We've been thinking about unrestricted church doing this series with Christ Church. Last week um, you had Anil preaching for you here, uh, and I was over at Christ Church, and we're thinking about unrestricted church. As we come out of lockdown, as we start to come together, it's great to have a few more people together in the building. Uh, what should we be? Uh, does it matter if we meet together? Uh, that sort of thing. Well, we saw a couple of weeks ago that we are a family, we're a body, we're a building, and all three of those images depend on Jesus, that it is God who brings together his church. It is a supernatural thing to be the church because God is the one who brings us together, breaks down the dividing walls, brings us together as a family. And as the church... (coughs) Excuse me. We are to relate to one another as a new society. In the book of Colossians, you see uh, just in the previous verses that we are new creations. 
So verse 9, it says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, uh, in the the image of its creator. We are new creations, and we are a new society that God is making. As uh, Dick Lucas says in his commentary, um, we are a renewed society requiring a fresh way of living. So this morning we're thinking about our relationships. Uh, I I know I've titled this, um, Why Not Just Have Online Relationships? I I think you've probably heard enough about saying, um, let's not just be online, let's come together. I think you've heard that quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. So I'm not going to major on that, because I think that may be bashing that that nail a bit too much um, uh, and a bit too hard. But rather we're just going to think about, okay, so what relationships should we have with one another? What does this passage say? And we're going to focus mainly on verse 12 of the passage. Um, Sometimes in our sermons we cover quite large chunks of scripture. Sometimes we just focus in on small bits. And I'd encourage you in your own Bible times day by day to do something similar. That Sometimes it's good to read through large chunks of the Bible. And sometimes it's good just to focus in even on one verse or even a part of a verse. And to learn it and to meditate on it and think about it. Well, today we're focusing in on that verse 12. And we're going to think about two things, two main things. How we're to relate to one another and how we can relate to one another in that way. So the two things, how can we relate? How are we to relate? What's our relationships to be like? And how can we do this? Where's the power come from to do this? Now, you uh, should be able to follow this if you want. On the back of the uh, service order, you've got some notes there. You can uh, jot down some things. You've got the main, main headings there. And the first thing there is how we're to relate to one another. Now, you see in verse 12 that there are five virtues, five characteristics that Paul lists. Oh, thank you, Ollie. Well done. How we're to relate to one another. You see, verse 12... There are five characteristics that tell us how we're to relate to one another. Notice he says, uh, we'll come back to the first half of the verse in in a few minutes, but it says, uh, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, and so on. And then he he gives those five characteristics. Notice he says, clothe yourselves with them. Did you get dressed this morning? I can tell you did. But did you clothe yourself with these things? It's actually a one-off verb. It says, this is in the Greek, it's it's a one-off thing. You clothe yourselves with these things and you keep them on. So you're to wear these all the time, these five things. And so let's work our way through them. It's easy, isn't it, with these things to just skim over them like stone over over water. That You just sort of skim over them. You don't really think about them, but we're going to think about them this morning. Think about these five qualities, and each of them uh, actually is described of Jesus. Jesus is described with these things, so they're all Christ-like qualities. Let's see them. Go through them in turn. First, compassion. What's compassion? Just think about it for a moment. What does compassion mean? Well, we see this with Jesus, don't we? Quite frequently, he is described as being full of compassion. But when does that happen? It's often when he is uh, confronted by someone who is suffering in some way. So if you want to make a note of it, you could look in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34. Jesus has two blind men come to him. And before he heals them, which is a miracle, isn't it, that he could just heal these blind people. But yet before he does so, it says he had compassion on them. 
And over and over again, it says he meets with people who are suffering in different ways that he has compassion. Now, it's not just physical suffering. We know in uh, Mark chapter 6, Jesus is uh, meeting with a crowd. And it says they were like sheep without a shepherd. And it says he had compassion on them. Now, that meant that wasn't physical suffering. That was that they weren't being led. They weren't being taught. And so he taught them out of compassion for them. So he sees their needs, he has compassion on them. That is what we are called to do. What is compassion? It is a deep sensitivity to the needs and sorrows of others. It's not just a natural sensitivity. Some people are just naturally sensitive, aren't they, to others? They have great empathy with others. But this is something that all Christians are to do, to be clothed with compassion. And it's not a sixth sense. It's not like, it's not like some sort of mind trick that when someone comes in the door that you say I sense you have great pain it's not that kind of thing it is just genuinely knowing that one another has difficulties and struggles in our lives and knowing about them and having compassion for one another now as we come out of lockdown as we meet with one another there are great opportunities for us to show this to one another to live this out that we are to be compassionate be good to be asking one one another how have we found lockdown some people have struggled for some it's been a terrible time some haven't everyone is different uh, some have found it's not too bad but we need to compassion for one another ask how's it been and we need to listen don't we and pay attention to one another you know what it's like when, when you're talking to someone and you know you haven't really got their attention it's not great is it we actually need to show that we're, we're paying attention to one another. Now, I know I can do this too. And now, how, how might we fall foul of this? It's when we're talking with someone and someone else walks past or, or comes along. And all of a sudden, your gaze is with them. And the other person could be saying almost anything. And they think, you, if you, this has happened to you, that someone does this to you, you can be thinking, I could be saying anything right now. You're not really paying attention. You want to go and talk to that other person, don't you? You don't really want to talk to me. Well, we need to make sure we're focused on the other person, not distracted by others or by our mobile phones or other things, but actually saying, I'm, I'm giving you my attention. I have compassion on you. Now, be aware, of course, uh, as we talk to one another coming out of lockdown, there may be some who are going, actually, I, I, I need distance. I'm, I'm nervous coming back, and therefore out of compassion for one another, sometimes actually we just need to keep distance, and maybe they need to leave straight away because they're nervous, they're anxious about coming back. And that's okay. You don't have to swamp people. In fact, don't. Uh, swamp people that's the whole point but give people space but when we're in a situation where we can maybe outside groups of six or less this morning uh, maybe just ask one another how are you doing how's it been next quality so compassion that sensitivity to the needs of others then kindness what's kindness mean uh, it feels a bland term doesn't it sort of Ah, yeah, they were kind. Doesn't, like, it doesn't mean much. Actually, it means a lot. Psalm 31, verse 19. It's often described of God's goodness and his overflowing generosity. There are a couple of lovely images in the Psalms. Uh, one of which, Psalm 31, verse 19, says this of God. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. How abundant 
of the good things you've stored up. You can imagine a sort of store cupboard full of good things. Maybe you've done this for someone, a loved one who's, who's got a birthday, and you've bought them lots of presents. You've put them in a cupboard so they, don't, they can't see them. They don't know where it is. But it's sort of stocked up. Can you imagine that cupboard? Just full, so full you can barely, you can't shut the door. It's just so full. If you open it, it just overflows. That is how God is for mankind, isn't it? And for us. He overflows with abundant generosity in your life, in my life. Another image, Psalm 65, verse 11, says, You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. Your carts. Isn't that nice? Sort of, you can imagine a horse-drawn cart, which is just so full of good things, that if it just hits a stone, it will overflow. It says, that is how God is. Do you recognize that about God, by the way? That that is how God is. He is abundant in his generosity. Everything that you and I have comes from him. He is overflowing in generosity. And even uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 35, it says that God is kind even to the ungrateful and the sinner. Even to those who are ungrateful, God is overflowing in generosity. Well, we are to clothe ourselves with kindness towards one another overflowing generosity and that can be um, in service serving one another with gifts or with uh, words or with time there are a whole load of ways aren't there that we could be generous that we can be kind to one another it may be finances supporting mission partners uh, or last summer when we were supporting Leon and and Carl Newell uh, overflowing generosity in that way it can be uh, supporting the church, the church financially. It can be uh, phone calls. It can be uh, recording or playing music for the online services or in the building. It can be being on the sound desk. It can be uh, helping out with the tech. It can be uh, in phone calls to one another, taking people to hospitals, visiting one another when we're allowed to do that. Uh, it can be making meals for one another where that's needed, taking biscuits round to someone. If you just think, actually, maybe they could do with it. Maybe they'd like it. Uh, praying for one another. Hospitality when we can do it um, whatsapp messages text messages there are a whole load of ways that we can be abundant in generosity and kindness towards one another well this is how to, we're to be the first two characteristics compassion and kindness uh, are about how we relate to, to one another how we relate to someone else the next two are more focused on how you think about yourself so have a look at them. Ollie, you've done a brilliant job. You're keeping up. You're making up for my short, shortfall uh, when I've not been using this. So, great, that's it. Humility and I've put meekness there. If you look in the text, it says humility and gentleness. The word for gentleness, it, it, I, both of these, they're slightly tricky to pull apart humility and this other word. Sometimes it's translated gentleness. Sometimes it's translated meekness. Now, I imagine the translators in this one didn't go for meekness because you don't use meekness very much. Do you? I, mean, I don't know what you think of when you think of someone being meek. But um, it's a slightly odd word, isn't it? We're not quite sure what that means. But the two, the two really go together, meekness and, and humility. Slight, in my studies of it, it's slightly hard to pull them apart. Sometimes they're, they're kind of interchangeably used. What do we mean by humility and meekness? Well, you could think in the Bible, there is someone in the Bible who is described as being the humblest man on earth. I wonder if you know who that is. Don't shout it out, but I wonder if you can think who that might be. And you might think, how did they know? How did they know they're the humblest? How did the writer know they're the humblest man on earth? 
You know, what was the competition? And maybe if you win it, does that mean you're not? But anyway, the person is Moses. Moses at the time was described as the humblest man on earth. Or in the ESV, you see the struggle here, it said he was a very meek man. You see, so it's sort of humblest, meekest. Now, what was the situation? You need to know the context. His brother and sister, Miriam and Aaron, had accused him. They were jealous of him and they, they were saying, you know, God hasn't just spoken through Moses, also through us as well. And interestingly, at this point, Moses says absolutely nothing. They're accusing him and he says nothing. It is God who speaks and judges. And maybe that points us to what this means, to be meek, to be humble, that he didn't feel the need to justify himself, that he was able just to keep quiet. Who else? Well, clearly Jesus described as a humble man. So if you were to look, Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read a little bit of this uh, for you. Philippians chapter 2, where it says of Jesus... Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, sorry, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself uh, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So there you go, the humility of Jesus, that he didn't hold on to that glory of heaven, but came down and humbled himself and became a servant. So you're piecing together here what humility, what meekness is, that it is, uh, well, you could summarize it like this. It is to be done with self. To be done with self. That we don't need to promote ourselves, to push ourselves forward, for other people to appreciate us, to value us, to, uh, to uh, make something of us. That we don't need that. And we don't need to defend ourselves either. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a uh, pastor for many years um, uh, in London, uh, he writes this in his book, uh, actually about the Sermon on the Mount, where it sort of talks about blessed are the meek. And he says this, The man who is truly meek never pities himself. He's never sorry for himself. He never talks to himself and says, you are having a hard time. How unkind these people are not to understand you. He never thinks, how wonderful I really am. If only other people gave me a chance. Self-pity. What hours and years we waste in this. But the man who has become meek has finished with all that. To be meek, in other words, means that you have finished with yourself altogether. Isn't that a great challenge? It's hard though, isn't it? Because we do waste a lot of time defending ourselves and talking to ourselves in that kind of way. I see myself in that. But we're to clothe ourselves with humility and meekness. And therefore, be prepared to take the place of the servant, gladly, willingly. So, humility and meekness. And lastly, patience. Or, as uh, other translations put it, long-suffering. Don't you think it's interesting that Paul, when describing the relationships within a church, feels the need to say, uh, you're going to need to be long-suffering? 
What does that say about what church life is going to be like? And notice, verse 13, he goes into uh, uh, then talking about bearing with one another, forgiving one another, as uh, in Christ God forgave you. The fact that we need to bear with one another, forgive one another, be long-suffering, what does that mean about relationships? It means we're going to make a mess of it at times. We're not going to be kind and compassionate all the time, are we? We will make a mess of it. And sometimes, even when we're kind and compassionate and humble and uh, meek, it won't be appreciated. There'll be times where it will go without thanks, without appreciation. But he says, be long-suffering. Keep going. In it for the long haul. When wrongs are done against you, forgive. So there you go, those are the five qualities, the five characteristics. And I don't know about you, but as you read that, I'm sure you would agree with me in thinking, how on earth do we do that? We might summon up the courage and do a bit of it some of the time, but how do we clothe ourselves with this? And the answer actually is um, to look back. So we're on the next point. How is it possible to love like this? And so... uh, Thanks, Ollie, if you can move us on. Um, And the answer to that is, well, it's inhuman, isn't it? It is actually inhuman to relate in this kind of way. Because uh, for most of our relationships, a transaction needs to take place. We come to relationships hungry. We're hungry for uh, to be valued, to be appreciated, to be loved. We're hungry for it. And so, when we enter into relationships with one another, there's a sort of bargain that goes along, which is, I will love you if you give me those things that I need. I'll love you if you value me, if you appreciate me, if you love me back. And we spot this, actually, don't we, when someone doesn't reciprocate or when someone doesn't give us what we need. If we don't get the appreciation, the, the love that we want, then actually, what do we tend to do? We tend to think, I don't think I'll bother carrying on with this. Or we get bitter. We might keep serving, but we might do it in a bitter way. And that can be awful, actually. That when someone serves in that kind of way, it can be like a gift given under a dark, stormy cloud. It's not that nice to receive. I mean, it's generous and it's serving, but it can feel not that great. So how can we love in this way? Well, the answer is to look back at the beginning of the verse. Uh, Paul doesn't start with the commands, but starts with a reminder of who we are. So, beginning of verse 12. Therefore, he says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now, notice there that what Paul is saying is... You can have value and appreciation and love, but you need to know where to feed. That you need to know to get those things from God, from Jesus. 
He's saying you are valued, appreciated, loved. That's what he's saying, isn't it? You are a chosen people. These are incredible titles. These are titles that we use of Israel and of Jesus. That you are a chosen people. God chose you out of the world to make you his people. You belong to him. Can you have a greater value than that? You're holy. You've been set apart by God. Can you be appreciated any more than that? That God would set you apart, even though we're sinners, that he would set us apart, wash us clean by the blood of his son, and make us his people. That's your value. That's your appreciation to come from God, and that you are dearly loved. Loved by God so much he sent his son to die for you. You cannot have more love than that. Now, if we are filled with that love, if we feed from that love, then we can come to one another, not hungry, but full. And we can love one another with a freedom that comes out, that, that you can only get through knowing Jesus. And it frees us up. It means in our relationships, I think this is helpful, as we relate to one another, if two people are relating to one another who are Christians, you've got to remember that there are three people in that relationship. Jesus is with you. It's almost worth thinking, it's almost physically present with you there. That, that you've got to have three of you in that relationship or it's not safe. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, again in his book Life Together, which we uh, thought about a couple of weeks ago, a little bit from it, he says we should not have immediate relationships with one another. In fact, it's almost not safe to have an immediate relationship with one another. You've got to have Jesus there to get your value, your love, your appreciation from him, uh, and that means that you can genuinely pour out love to the other person. What difference does this make in our relationships if we do this? It means if you're coming to someone else, if I'm coming to you and I am getting my deepest needs met by Jesus, I can love like a river, can't I? That it can come from Jesus and I can pour it out to you and I don't need to get anything back from you. I don't need to because I'm getting it from Jesus. It means I can keep going. Even if I get nothing back, I could keep going in pouring out this love to someone else. And there's no intensity there in that relationship, is there? Sometimes we can be very intense. Sometimes the people, uh, people can be very desperate, absolutely desperate to be fed from other people, to get that value, love, appreciation. And therefore, actually, sometimes the very thing they want is the thing they can't have because they're so hungry for it that they're devouring others and people feel they can't come near. But if we're being fed by Jesus, we can draw close to one another. And there won't be that intensity, that need for me to be valued and appreciated by you. I can just pour out love to you. And if I assume that you are being fed with your greatest need met by Jesus as well, then that frees me up in loving you, that I don't need to be your saviour. You're not going to try to find your greatest value from me, because you're getting it from him. Do you see? It's a wonderful thing. That when we're getting our deepest needs met by Jesus, it frees us up genuinely to love one another with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And if you aren't a Christian yet, do you see that only Jesus can meet your deepest need? That actually other people can't give it to you. You need to come to him to be washed clean and to receive his love. 
Because his love is certain, whereas others' love is not. And if you come to him, he will set you free to be able to love others. We shouldn't try to be Christ for one another. Uh, We can't be. But we should have Christ-like relationships and Christ-like love for one another. And we will only achieve that if we know Christ's love for us. So, we are called to be Jesus' renewed people. His new society, loving one another as his chosen people. Now, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to read the verse again just to finish. And then I want to give you just a few moments to pause and think, what do we need to change? What do you need to change? In the light of these verses, how will the first half impact your heart so that you can do the second half? And I'll give you a few moments quiet just to think, Holy Spirit to prompt things in you for you to pray. And then Colin will come up and introduce our next song. So let me just read this this verse again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience.